0: Hello, my friend. Welcome back to Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel. I hope you're ready for more episodes of Low Life. And while these are the last three episodes of the show, uh, and there are many mysteries to clear up in the beautiful Florida swamps, one thing is very clear, and that is this word from our sponsor.
1: Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away.
2: Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.
0: So, before we get to episode six, something I just wanted to mention, and it's my, one of my favorite things about Low Life is that when the story starts, it seems to be all about chupacabras, right? And how they just exist in this world and how whimsical is that, right? But then it really settles into a story about where gators. And uh, it may not surprise you to know that uh, werewolves, wear things um, are of a particular interest to me, I- and ghosts. Both those two things are, are, are objects of study for me. And uh, historically, culturally speaking, The werewolves come out of the notion that if you do something horribly wrong, um, you might become a werewolf. In ancient Greece, the idea was that if you were so moved to eat human sacrificial remains with your food, you were likely to turn into a werewolf. In Ovid's Metamorphosis, very fitting of course, Zeus turns Lycaon, see what they did there, into a werewolf as a punishment for harming a protected hostage of his. So while we feel very much for poor Olivia, uh, were-gator Olivia, We also kind of think that maybe she did something to not deserve it. Perhaps it's the where sins of Henry Matheson, the father, bestowed on the daughter. I don't know. It gets pretty complicated. But again, this is one of the things that I just love about low life. So let's get to episode six right now. Enjoy.
2: I'm not going to lie. I never saw my sweet little Carrie as a Florida girl. Alex said his boot wedged against the doorframe. What are you doing here? Carrie asked through the gap in the door. She already knew firsthand that Alex had stalker tendencies, but tracking her all the way down to her grandfather's house in Fort Lauderdale was a frightening new low in a relationship full of bottoms. I didn't like the way we left things, Care Bear. Thought it was time for you and I to clear the air. And hey, maybe after that we can finally take that trip to Disney World? Alex flashed the smile that Carrie had once found charming. Now everything about him made her sick. He was a short man, about five foot five. He was the first one to joke about how his size had given him a Napoleon complex. It had led him to overcompensate in so many ways. What concerned Carrie now was all those hours he'd spent doing hit workouts, adding a toned layer of muscle onto his small frame. You can't be here, she told him. I'm asking you nicely. Please leave. Copy that. I'll head back to Connecticut. Nice seeing you. Goodbye. He stood stock still, staring her dead in the eyes, his mouth curling into a crooked grin. Carrie pushed against the door, but his size 7 boot held firm. Ow, come on. I'm not coming in. I just want to talk through the crack, okay? I'm serious, she said. You need to leave now or I call the cops. The cops? Seriously? That's a little harsh. I don't want you here. Go ahead and call them then. Waste their time. I am. Carrie checked her pocket. Shit! Her phone was on the dining table, where she'd left it to avoid Marlon's unrelenting texts. She'd have to improvise. Carrie leaned her back against the door and held a hand up to her ear. Alex couldn't see it, but she hoped the fake phone would help sell the performance. Hello? Yes, I have an intruder on my porch. He won't leave, Carrie said to no one. Yes, I'm at 7580 Southwest 5th Street. Please send someone quickly. I think he might hurt me. She waited a few seconds. Yes, I'll stay on the line. Thank you. Alex's foot was still in the doorframe. He'd leave soon, she thought. Deep down, he was a coward who wouldn't want to deal with the police. She kept up the ruse. Yes, I do know him, but he isn't welcome here. His name is Alex Mastrantoni. Her actual phone vibrated from the table across the room. She prayed that Alex hadn't heard it. He's my ex-boyfriend. No, he's stalking me. The phone buzzed again. Ooh, what was that? Alex said. Sounds like someone's got herself two cell phones. That's a fancy move, Carrie. Her blood raced as she stumbled through her faked conversation. You have someone in the area? Okay, good. Yes, he's still... Or maybe you don't have two phones. Alex said. That's not mine, Carrie responded. It's my friend's. The door burst open, knocking Carrie to the floor. Oh shit, I'm sorry. Alex exclaimed, stepping into her house. I swear to God, I didn't mean to do that. I was adjusting my foot and slipped. Are you all right? He reached his hand down to Carrie. She batted it away. Get the fuck out, Alex. Relax, I'm not going to hurt you. Carrie sat up. You already did. That was an accident. You know I abhor violence. I just want to talk. I said everything I need to say to you back in Connecticut. Well, I didn't get to say everything I wanted to say, Carrie. You wouldn't let me. You wouldn't even pick up the phone. And now you're blocking my calls. Carrie stood up slowly as she watched Alex cross the room. You cheated on me, she said, constantly. And you told everyone I was crazy for thinking that you were. I didn't tell anyone anything. I just tried to explain. You broke into my fucking apartment, Alex. You stole hair from my brush. I did what? Do you have any idea how insane that sounds? Look, I regret the cheating. It was a moment of weakness. I was wrong. But you overreacted. I mean, you ran away to Florida? Really? New England was killing me, Alex. Maybe you'd have realized that if you ever paid attention. I've been working on myself. Meditation, therapy, exercise. I should have been there for you, and I wasn't. I want to be a better person. That's good, but you still can't be here right now. Why did you come all the way down here? It's stalker behavior. Don't say that word. I'm not hunting you. I just... I wanted to see you. I've been touring, actually. I was able to string together a few sax gigs down the East Coast. The sort of tour you always wanted me to do. Sat in with a mind-blowing combo for two nights in D.C. I was making my way south, and a little birdie told me where you'd landed. Turns out, I wasn't far from you. You expect me to believe that you just happened to be in the neighborhood? Of course not. Look, I tried calling ahead. I even got a new number just to reach out to you, but you blocked that one too. You're not even giving me a chance. Carrie's phone buzzed from the table. Someone was calling. Alex checked her phone's display. "'Who's Brad Marlin?' he asked. "'He's a friend.' "'A friend? You're already seeing someone?' "'It's not like that.' The phone fell silent. Alex scooped it up and typed in a few digits. Carrie couldn't believe she hadn't changed her passcode. "'Wow. Lots of texts from this guy. "'Everything okay? Why aren't you answering?' Alex looked at Carrie. "'You're calling me a stalker? Seems like you've got a type.' He scrolled through more texts. Well, he wants you to know he didn't tell Wilma about what we did to Olivia. Who's Wilma? And what did you do to Olivia? None of this is any of your business. Alex dropped the phone on the table. He looked at Carrie. Will you just sit down for a minute? I don't trust you. Alex frowned. That hurts. I'm not going to touch you. I promise. Let's have a conversation like normal human beings, okay? I can't tonight. I have an exam tomorrow. Can we meet up after that? Maybe somewhere public? Alex shook his head. You're not going to show up. I swear I will, but I can't. Tires screeched outside. Carrie jumped at the sound. Headlights flashed through the windows. Alex checked the blinds, then flattened himself against the wall. Expecting company in an 80s shit bucket? It's Brad. A car door slammed shut in the driveway. Get rid of him, Alex said. I can't. Alex grabbed her wrist. I swear to fucking God, you don't want to cross me right now. Carrie shook him off. Don't ever touch me. What the hell? The doorbell rang. I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt you, he whispered. And I don't want to hurt your friend. Just get rid of him and I'll leave. I promise. Carrie nodded and opened the door. Alex tucked himself behind it hidden from Marlin's sight. Marlon wore a look of relief on his face. "'Jesus Christ, I'm glad to see you. "'Why weren't you answering my texts?' "'I was studying. I still am. "'I know, but big things are happening. "'That Wilma is a trip. "'You won't believe what she told me about Olivia. "'Turns out, her father—' "'I don't care,' she interrupted. "'She needed him gone before Alex heard anything she couldn't explain away. "'Wilma's a drama queen. "'I don't care about her gossip.' Olivia's dad's a grown man. He can do what he wants. Marlin wrinkled his brow. She hoped he would put it together that she wasn't alone. Oh, okay, he said. Yeah, that's probably true. Brad, I'm sorry, but I have to get back to this test. I'll see you tomorrow at Olivia's dinner party. Marlin leaned in, confusion on his face. Is everything okay? Carrie's eyes darted to Alex. He mouthed some obscenity at her. Everything is fine, I swear. Okay, I'll call you tomorrow. Good luck on your test. Night, Brad. She closed the door. Alex put his finger to his lips. They listened as Marlon walked down the driveway and got into the brat.
3: Marlon turned the ignition key. That interaction with Carrie didn't add up. She hadn't even met Wilma, so wouldn't have a reason to call her a drama queen. And they certainly had no plans for an Olivia dinner party tomorrow night. Carrie was signaling him that someone was listening. Or worse, someone or something was there with her. Marlin looked back at the house. Carrie appeared in the window and waved goodbye. She closed the blinds. Something was definitely up. And he could tell she needed him to act like it wasn't. He backed the truck out of the driveway and drove down the street until he found a parking spot out of sight of the house. He reached under his seat for his trusty machete. Crap! He must have lost it the other night when he tangled with that wear gator out in the rain. Marlin walked to the back of the vehicle and popped the hatch on the truck cap. He sorted through the various sprays and chemicals. Sure, it was dangerous stuff, but would it be any use against an alligator man? He laid eyes on the chupacabra traps. They would do some damage. He grabbed a big one, slammed the hatch shut, and clung to the shadows as he made his way to Carrie's backyard.
2: Carrie sat on the couch while Alex paced her living room. He was going on about what an idiot he'd been and how he still loved her. How he was going to change. She let him talk. That was safest. She couldn't help but feel like this would all end badly. Carrie wondered if Marlon got the message. Had she gone too far when she assured him that everything was okay? What if he'd bought that part? Then again, maybe it was best that Marlon didn't get involved— he had a habit of making bad situations worse. She spotted movement outside the window behind Alex. It was Marlin. Carrie and Marlon locked eyes. She gave him a small nod. Marlin dropped out of sight as Alex finished up his speech. Do you believe me? Will you give us another shot? She shook her head. I think I need to sleep on everything. Can we please do this tomorrow? I just, I have so much work to do. Okay, yeah, let's do lunch. Where should we go? Carrie felt relief. If she could only get him out of here before Marlon put whatever plan he had into action. Just text me, she said. I'll think of something after the exam. You'll have to unblock me from your phone. I'll do it tonight. Alex grabbed her phone off the table. Now, he said, handing it to her. Carrie sighed. She scrolled through her contacts and unblocked his number. There. It's done. Alex pulled out his own cell and dialed Carrie's number. She held up her buzzing phone. The word asshole lit up her screen. He smiled. I'm going to get you to change that name, okay? Not going to happen. Can you go now? You know what? I still don't trust that you'll show tomorrow. I have a bottle of Syrah in my car. Let's just talk tonight. She realized that there was no way that he was going to leave. There was a clatter from the backyard. What the hell was that? Alex asked. I have no idea.
0: Hello, friend. This is Neil Helliger's host of Adrenaline Realms Thriller channel. And I'm here to talk to you a little bit more about the Greenlight app. And this message is, of course, sponsored by Greenlight. But I was using our family was using the Greenlight app uh, even before the first ad in a wonderful, thrilling cosmic coincidence. Right. See what I did there? So again, to catch you up, Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. Basically, the way it works is that parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids spending and saving. And you can see exactly how much money they have in their account. And there's different ways to give them money. What we've been doing is on a, like a weekly allowance, a certain amount that goes into his account every week. So in order to further the conversation about money and about earning, uh, we're using Greenlight as a kind of a foundation for that conversation. Uh, in other words, instead of just the allowance he gets for a certain certain base things that he's expected to do around the house, Uh, we are also adding the chore feature, which is certain one-time payments for certain one-time jobs. For example, in our house, we're trying to encourage our son to start walking the dog more. He's old enough for it, he's responsible enough for it, and he's done it enough that he knows what to do, so he can really see that for all those extra times that he steps up and does the dog walk, he gets rewarded for that job well done. And this is the conversation. In life, when you work a little extra harder, you get a little extra compensation and you can either save that up or spend it how you like. And we're not alone in this. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's a very easy and very convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and for families to navigate life together. So sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash adrenaline. That's greenlight.com slash adrenaline to try Greenlight for free greenlight.com slash adrenaline slash 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 so thrilling right on a remote island in frigid lake superior a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it ancestor by number one new york times bestselling author scott sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong available wherever you get your podcasts
3: Marlin scrambled behind Carrie's chicken coop. He'd set the sucker trap by her back steps before loudly upending the recycling bin. He paused to catch his breath. Marlin heard the door open and tucked himself out of view. I don't see anything, a man's voice said. It wouldn't be long until the guy spotted the trap laid in front of him. Marlin kicked at a stack of wooden crates, toppling them to the ground. There, Carrie yelled, by the coop. Marlin heard the metallic clang of the trap springing shut. A howl of pain followed. He stepped out from behind the henhouse. He saw a tiny man with the steel trap clamped across his lower leg, digging into his calf. All right, gator scum, Marlin said, putting up his dukes. Let's tango. The man pried at the trap. Confused tears streamed down his face. What the fuck, dude? You want to fight me like that or you want to fight me like a gator, Marlin said. Honestly, I'm fine either way. I've killed one of your kind already. The guy looked to carry. What's this maniac talking about? Brad, this is Alex. He used to be my boyfriend. He's not an alligator. Now Marlin was confused. What? I thought you were signaling that you needed help. I was. He's just... A normal guy. Well, not normal. He's a shithead. Marlin took another step toward Alex. Sorry, let me help you with that. There's a release latch and. Marlin's vision went white for a second as Alex delivered a spinning roundhouse kick. The massive steel trap smashed into Marlin's jaw, knocking him to the ground. Alex, no! Carrie screamed. Marlin tried to climb to his feet, but Alex launched another trap kick at him. He felt at least one rib on his right side crack. Ow, what the hell, man, Marlin cried. Alex climbed on top of Marlin and began pounding away at his face. The fists were coming too fast for Marlin to block. He was out of breath and seeing stars. Leave him alone. Carrie grabbed Alex's shoulder. He shoved her to the ground. Alex finally stopped pounding. He looked down at Marlin's damaged face, then turned to Carrie. Who the fuck is this guy? What's this shit on my leg? He's my chupacabra exterminator, you asshole. It's a chupacabra trap. Marlin blinked his swelling eyes. Nice to meet you. Alex found the release on the trap. He popped it open, freeing his bloody leg. You can't use these things on a person. I'm gonna sue you, pal. I'm gonna have your license. Good luck with that, Marlin said. Alex looked at Carrie. This isn't over. I'll be seeing you soon. He limped around the side of the house, disappearing into the night. Marlon walked out of the bathroom and found Carrie on a stool at her kitchen island. He held up a blood-stained towel. Where do you want this? You can just throw that out, she said. Oh, Okay. Sorry. It's fine. Marlin sat down next to her and down the glass of water she'd poured him. He ran his tongue along his gums. At least I've still got all my teeth. Brad, I'm so sorry. I didn't... I didn't think he'd come at you that hard. Who the hell was that? I kept expecting him to transform. He really wasn't a were-gator? No. He's my ex total creep. He followed me down to Florida. So, uh, I'm confused. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that I sucker-trapped his leg? Carrie smirked. Yeah, it's good. He wasn't going to leave. But it's scary that he's out there. And I'm a little worried about what he might know about us. Which is what? He read some texts. Nothing too bad, but he saw Olivia's name. We're in trouble if he puts any of it together. Eh, I wouldn't worry about that. This whole situation is a clusterfuck. I can barely get my head around it. That said, Wilma shared some interesting info tonight. Oh, yeah? Carrie asked. Turns out Olivia's father turned her into a weregator. He's the one trying to create the gator army. Why would he do that? He's up to all sorts of evil stuff. He has some plan to dry the Everglades so he can develop real estate out there. They don't really know how he's going to do it, but it would be devastating for wildlife and bad for the rest of us. Olivia was working with Wilma and her crew to stop him. She was supposed to steal plans from Matheson's office the night she disappeared. The theory is that her dad caught her in the act and completely freaked out. Then he used some old tech from these fifties-era experiments to turn her into a gator soldier. That way he could control her. That's the kind of stuff my grandfather was obsessed with. Exactly. We think that Matheson was using her to try and get into your grandfather's stuff. Wilma thinks there might be instructions in there for some kind of machine or weapon that'll help him drain the swamp. You know, literally. All of this sounds pretty out there, Brad. Are you sure we can trust Wilma? I think I really do. You should have been there. She's a bit of a loon and seems like she'd be happy if the whole state was swamp, but she's got this conviction. It's kind of inspiring. She has a whole collective of tattooed granola eaters working with her. They've been trying to take Matheson down, but nothing sticks to the guy. "'Personally, I think they're being a little too hippy-dippy "'and loosey-goosey about the whole thing. "'There's no time for pussy-footing. "'Someone needs to take that shit-stick out.' "'You're probably right,' Carrie said. "'I know I'm right. I'll do it myself if I have to.' "'Marlin caught the look in her eyes. "'Don't worry. I don't expect you to help with any of this. "'Don't do anything stupid, Brad.' "'Marlin climbed to his feet, wobbly.' His skull throbbed all over. Or what? I'm gonna get hurt? What the hell happened to your face, Bubbles? Vicky whispered as Marlin limped into her pew. Is it that bad? Did you get hit by a truck? I got run over by an Oompa Loompa. What have I missed so far? Nothing yet. Do you think those are Eduardo's parents up there? Marlon looked to the front of the church. A Cuban couple in their fifties stood talking to the priest. Yeah, I recognize his mom from Facebook. Should I go introduce myself? Looking like that? No, honey, not a good idea. Can you even see through that eye? It had been a rough morning. Marlon had only remembered Eduardo's funeral in the middle of the night, He'd set an alarm, but he hadn't needed it. Alarm clocks were for people who could sleep. Marlin showered and found the only half-clean collared shirt in his laundry pile. He'd put off looking in the mirror for as long as he could, but it was unavoidable when he went to brush his teeth. He should have used some ice. His left eye was swollen shut. His nose was probably broken, If he decided to go as Leatherface for Halloween, all he'd need was the chainsaw. He gently touched a lateral incisor that was so loose, he'd be shocked if it lasted the rest of the day. Brushing was out of the question. He spit blood into the sink, took a slug of mouthwash, and gargled through the pain. He considered bailing on the funeral. He was in no shape to be out in public. But this was Eduardo. The best partner Marlin ever had, and a damn good friend. If their roles were reversed, Eddie would never have dreamt of skipping Marlin's funeral. Hell, the kid had heroically taken a public urination rap for him, saving Marlin from getting to strike three. Now that he was here at St. Joseph's, he could feel all eyes in the church on him. Maybe this had been a bad idea. Should I even be here? He whispered to Vicky. Everyone must hate me. Honestly, Bubbles, I thought you wouldn't be up for this. I wouldn't have blamed you if you hadn't come. You worked with him, too. You're here. Yeah, but I'm in the office. I wasn't there that night. Plus, I blend in. You stick out a little bit. Do you think I should leave? That'd be worse. Just keep a low profile, okay? Maybe no one knows who you are a few rows in front of them a small boy turned around the kid's eyes lit up with panic as if he'd seen the elephant man marlin used a hand to cover his face is he looking at me he asked vicky yes he's looking at you how could he not what do i do how should i know just stop scaring him marlin turned back to the kid and smiled the kid grinned back at him marlin crossed his eyes the kid giggled Hey, I think he likes me, Marlin said. The kid stuck out his tongue. Marlin laughed. He pulled out the edges of his mouth and flicked his own tongue out. He wagged it back and forth. The kid started screaming. Jesus Christ, Brad, Vicky hissed. What? Where's your fucking tooth? Marlin looked down. His incisor lay on the floor in a pool of red. A string of blood dripped from his chin onto his shirt. The kid was losing his shit. Eduardo's parents looked up from their conversation with the priest. Marlon stood. Everyone in the church turned to look at him. Sorry, he announced. Just lost a tooth. No big deal. I'm fine. Vicky buried her face in her hands. Is there a bathroom in this joint? Marlon asked an altar boy. Marlon stood at the sink, stuffing toilet paper into his upper lip to stop the bleeding. He looked like a madman. You fucking idiot. You stupid moron, he cursed at his reflection. The door to the bathroom swung open. A Cuban man in his 60s entered. He had a wide, warm face and wore a dark sharkskin suit with a minimal gray pinstripe. A seri que bola, he asked. Marlon nodded and smiled. Hoping the man would leave him alone, the man repeated it in English. Everything okay, my friend? Yeah, just having a rough morning is all. Do you need to use the can? No, I'm only checking that you're all right. I just... we don't want any interruptions here today. This is a hard day for our family. I hear you. Look, maybe I should leave. No, no, it's fine. I was worried maybe you were a creeper but you seem okay. You came here to pay your respects. How did you know, Eddie? Just a friend. The man smiled. He checked his hair in the mirror. He was a good kid. He had a lot of friends. He sure did. I'm Oscar. I'm Eddie's uncle. Good to meet you, Oscar. And what is your name? I'm Brad. Marlin watched Oscar's smile migrate back to Cuba. You're not Brad Marlin, are you? No, no, I'm Brad something else. Uncle Oscar took a step back from the sink. You are him. You have a lot of nerve coming here after what you did. It's... you don't understand. Oscar grabbed Marlin by the collar and shoved him against a toilet stall. You're the reason Eddie's dead. No, I'm sorry. He insisted on coming. I didn't... He never should have been out there at that hour. I heard he was at a bar with you before it happened. You got him drunk and marched him to his death. Look, there's a lot more to the story, and I'm trying to make it right. I'm gonna find out what happened, and then I'm gonna avenge him. Avenge him? What kind of psychopath are you? I'm leaving, okay? I'm going. You better... Oscar poked Marlin in the chest. I'm gone. I'm sorry for your loss. Fuck off, you mother. Marlin staggered from the bathroom and out the front doors of St. Joe's.
2: Carrie smiled as she handed her test to Professor Bloom. Are you sure? The professor whispered. Carrie nodded. She walked back to her seat, scooped up her purse, and headed for the exit. There were a few jealous glares from her fellow classmates. When she stepped out into the sticky autumn air, she sighed with relief. She had turned in the exam almost 40 minutes before the class ended. Kara was pleased to discover that she'd known the material inside and out, even before the hours she'd spent cramming yesterday. She took a moment to remind herself that she was good at this. Maybe she could ease up about school. After all. She had a lot more to stress about. Carrie unlocked her golf and wondered what she'd do with the rest of her day. She should probably pay her grandfather another visit. If Frank was having a lucid day, maybe he'd be able to tell her more about the gator soldiers. He also had to know what was inside the boxes that Henry Matheson was after. But could her sweet old granddad really be caught up in all this? As Carrie sat down in the driver's seat, her phone buzzed. These days, that could only mean bad news. She felt an urge to throw it in the nearest body of water. It was Alex. This wouldn't be the Olivia that you and your friend Brad did something to, would it? He followed that up with an article from the Florida Sun Sentinel. The headline read, Still no leads as search for Olivia Matheson enters third week. Next, a chilling collection of emojis. Snakes, knives, squirt guns, and syringes. A shudder ran down her spine. She'd never feel safe knowing Alex was onto them. Carrie called Marlin. He picked up on the first ring. What's up? Alex sent me an article about Olivia, she told him. He knows. What? How? He's not stupid. It probably wasn't that hard for him to put together. So what? What's he gonna do? Honestly, I have no idea. He's obsessed with me, and I'm afraid he's going to try and use this leverage to get what he wants. Look, You're not going to want to hear this, but we should go to the cops. Carrie. This has all gone too far. It's time for the truth. If the police do even a little digging, they'll find that it's all real. They'll bust Matheson. They'll end this whole thing. The cops don't bust guys like Henry Matheson. I'm going to put a stop to him myself. Right now, actually. So just, you know, sit tight and stay away from your buddy Alex. He won't have anything over you for much longer. Wait. What are you doing? Listen, this might be the last you hear from me for a bit. I'm sure that's good news to you. Just, if anyone comes around, which they probably won't, let me take the fall for it. For everything. Tell them I threatened you. Say whatever you need. You're a great person, Carrie. You don't deserve to be involved in any of this. Brad, you don't sound like yourself. Are you okay? Where are you? There was no response. He was gone.
3: Marlon stood and shoved his flip phone into his pocket. A powerful automated flush erupted behind him like a hole opening to another dimension. This was the fanciest bathroom stall Marlon had ever been in. He'd heard about heated toilet seats before, but this was his first experience. When the spray wand telescoped between his legs, he'd nearly lost what was left of his mind. He wasn't even here to use the facilities. He'd only come for one more hit of courage before he put his plan into action. Marlin pulled out a baggie of coke. He'd bought two grams, and this second gram was nearly gone. He decided he'd finish it off. Nothing mattered anymore, so he might as well make up for lost time. Marlin had been in free fall since he left the church. Almost without thinking, he called up an old drug contact. A tiny voice in the back of his head cursed him out for hanging on to the number. The much louder voice in the front of his head told him that he couldn't follow through on his plans without chemical assistance. He met Frogman Tom down at the docks. When he wasn't giving scuba lessons to tourists, Tom was the fourth biggest coke dealer in Fort Lauderdale. The local lore was that he kept his stash in a sunken treasure chest a few miles off the coast. Long time no see, Frogman Tom chuckled. Happy to have you back. Marlin grunted and shoved his last few 20s into Tom's open hand. As he drove around the edge of the harbor looking for a secluded spot, Marlin started to have second thoughts. He'd come so far to throw it all away. Then he thought of Eduardo. That poor kid was in a closed casket because of a were-gator created by Henry Matheson. The major league asshole who turned his daughter into a monster and was trying to destroy the Everglades with no care as to who or what was displaced or killed. The guy had to go. Marlin did his first bump in 12 years tucked under a davit crane surrounded by pallets of bananas. He spent the next 20 minutes watching a nervous pelican with a fishing lure stuck in its beak struggle to take down a blue crab. The stuff Tom had sold him hit like an anvil. An hour later, he cut himself a caterpillar-sized rail on a ping pong table in the sporting goods section of a Bell's department store. That got him keyed up enough to shoplift a ceramic switchblade. Once Marlin was back on the road, he was off to the races, trying to maintain his high like he'd never lost the habit. And now, As he snorted the last of his cocaine in the 36th-floor bathroom of Henry Matheson's office building, he hit the sweet spot. He felt like he could finally go through with this. Getting up here had been easier than he'd anticipated. It turned out that, I have information about his missing daughter, went a pretty long way at the first-floor reception desk. The guards there made a couple of calls, and not even five minutes later, Marlin was being escorted into the elevator. Stepping out into the penthouse lobby, he was greeted by a beautiful blonde woman in her 30s. She asked him the nature of the information he had on Olivia's disappearance. All of it, he told her. She pressed him for at least a shred of information, but Marlin held strong. He insisted. That he'd only give this information to the head honcho, Henry Matheson himself. He would either get a sit-down with the big man, or he was walking. The choice was theirs. The assistant asked Marlin to have a seat while she ran his demands up the ladder. The place looked like a cigar lounge, all exotic hardwoods and overstuffed Chesterfields. He sank into a couch in the reception area for a few minutes before getting antsy and wandering off to the powder room. Marlin looked at himself in the bathroom mirror. He had cleaned up as best he could. There was no hiding that his face had been beaten to a pulp the night before, or that he was missing a tooth, but at least his hair was freshly combed. He washed his hands and returned to the executive lobby. There you are, the assistant said. Mr. Matheson is almost ready for you. He's just finishing up a meeting. Marlon noticed two armed security guards standing by the mahogany doors to Henry Matheson's office. They hadn't been there before his trip to the bathroom. What's with these guys, he asked. I'm meeting with him alone. Of course. They'll be stationed just outside as a precaution. I'm sure you understand. Marlon laughed. Oh, because of my face? I suppose that's fair. The doors swung open. A tiny Asian woman in her forties walked out. Marlin couldn't help but feel that she looked familiar. The woman smiled as she stepped past him. Marlin turned and watched her walk toward the elevator. Her long black hair fell to the small of her back. He was searching his memory when a voice called out You must be Brad Marlin. Please come in. Marlon spun and found himself face to face with Henry Matheson, smiling that same shit-eating grin that he'd plastered on billboards for decades. Matheson was tall and handsome, with a full head of silver hair. Up close, he looked older than Marlon expected. His seventy years were starting to show. His face was long and pale, and there were heavy bags under his eyes. MARLIN HAD TO FIGHT THE URGE TO DECK THIS MOTHERFUCKER RIGHT IN THE MOUTH, BUT HE COULDN'T DO THAT YET, NOT WITH THE GOON SQUAD WATCHING. GOOD TO MEET YOU, MARLIN SAID, STEPPING INTO THE GIGANTIC OFFICE. THROUGH THE WINDOWS, HE COULD SEE MOST OF BROWARD COUNTY SPRAWLED OUT BELOW THEM. PLEASE HAVE A SEAT, MATHESON SAID, MOTIONING TO A CHAIR ACROSS HIS GIGANTIC ROSEWOOD DESK. HE TURNED TO HIS GUARDS. WE'LL BE FINE, GENTLEMEN. I'll call if I need anything. As the office door closed, Marlon caught one last glimpse of the dark-haired woman. Suddenly, he remembered where he'd seen her. Hey, who was that lady? Marlin sat in the chair while Matheson walked around to the other side of the desk. Which one? The one who was just in here. That was Beatrice Lim. She's our head of environmental research and development. What were you two talking about? I'm afraid I'm not at liberty to discuss the details of your chupacabra experiments, Marlin blurted out. I'm sorry? No, the projects have nothing to do with chupacabras. You sure? I've seen her before. Just a few nights ago, in fact, at Camp Arrowhead. Any of that ring a bell? It doesn't, Matheson said. So I'm told you had some information on Olivia. I'll get to that but first I want to talk about Beatrice. She walked right into a sucker den. There had to be 400 of those bastards in there and not even your garden variety chupacabras. Some of them were huge with fluffy white fur like sheepdogs with fangs. She just whistled and called them buttercup and then they crawled all over her like she was the queen of the chupacabras or something. I'm uh, afraid you have Beatrice confused with someone else. Marlin was getting off track This wasn't at all How this was supposed to go But he couldn't stop The train now The coke was doing The talking for him He continued And then She opened the door To this big steel closet Smack dab in the middle Of a summer camp lunchroom The whole place was filled With glowing green light She walked right in there With a few of her Giant white suckers in tow I keep wondering What that green light was Any ideas? Any ideas? Mr. Marlin, I've heard enough. If you don't get to what you know about my daughter, I'm going to need to ask you to leave. I haven't a clue what you're talking about. Marlin pushed on. That's not what I heard, pal. Rumor has it you created the chupacabras, and I'm willing to bet that was just the start of it. I think Ms. Beatrice is running a secret lab where she's cooking up all sorts of monsters for you. Matheson leaned back in his chair and stared Marlin down. Marlon wondered if this was his moment. The ceramic knife weighed heavily in his pocket. He could lunge and stab him in the neck. The guards would rush in, but by then, it'd be too late. Matheson would be dead. Wardo and Olivia would be avenged. Or would they? Marlon hadn't even started in on his rehearsed speech. Henry Matheson would die without knowing why this stranger had left him with his throat slashed open. I know what this is, Matheson sputtered. You're one of those environmental lunatics. You come into my office on the pretense that you have information about my daughter, and you start spewing this conspiracy garbage? No. I don't believe me we get your type all the time. It's disgusting. But my assistant thought that you sounded different. She convinced me to hear you out. Marlon wanted to backtrack. That's actually not what I came here for. It makes me fucking sick when you scumbags invoke Olivia's name trying to rattle my cage. Did you know Olivia? A thousand dollars says you've never even met her. I'm right, aren't I? Marlon nodded. I knew she wouldn't associate with trash like you. She was too good for you. She was too good for me. Olivia was the light of my life. You don't have a clue what I'm going through. You couldn't even begin to imagine my pain. Matheson shook with anger. I'm going to tell you about the last time I saw Olivia and then I'll ask you to leave. It was three weeks ago. I came into my office late one night and found her sitting right where I am now. She was on my computer looking through my files. She must have found something about a real estate deal that she didn't like. Whatever it was, it caused this sweet girl, who never raised her voice, to snap. I'd never seen her so angry. She told me that I was a horrible man, that somehow I was destroying the planet. She was ashamed to be my daughter. She'd never talked to me like that before. Marlin sat silently. His eyes ached and his arms itched. Matheson stood and walked to the window. Do you know how I responded? I told her to go to hell. Who was she to get involved in my business? I raised that girl, not her mother, and I made sure she never wanted for anything. All those fancy schools, I guess they got to her. She wouldn't back down. I told her that I didn't want to hear any of it. I threw her out of the office. Matheson turned back to Marlin with tears in his eyes. Now she's gone. Maybe she's run away. Maybe she's been kidnapped. But if that's the case, where's the ransom letter? The entire state knows how much I'm worth. If anyone had my darling Olivia, I'd sign my life away to get her back. Now it's been three weeks, and I'm beginning to fear the worst. He walked back toward Marlin and leaned against his giant desk. If she truly is gone, how can I live knowing that, go to hell, were the final words she heard me speak? With that, Matheson started (laughs) sobbing uncontrollably. He crumpled against the desk as tears streamed down his face. He pulled a handkerchief from his pocket and wiped the snot from his nose. You know what? I'm glad you're here for this. I want you to see the broken man you've chosen to confront with your righteous bullshit. You people are always talking empathy and compassion. Well, look at me. I'm gutted. I'm a shell of a man. Marlin felt the blade press against his thigh. This was the best chance he was going to get. But Jesus, could he really stab a crying man? This guy was either the world's greatest actor, or he was telling the truth. Marlin was back at square one. Why was he even here? Because of a tall tale told by a swamp lady who'd spent an entire night plying him with moonshine? For all he knew, this could have been Wilma's plan. She could have been trying to turn him into an unwitting soldier for the cause. Just like she accused Matheson of doing to Olivia. His head started to spin. I'm sorry, Marlin said. He felt tears welling up in his own eyes. I really didn't mean to upset you. Honestly, there's nothing that a toothless dirt merchant like you can do to upset me. I'm already shattered. But I won't let my grief prevent me from honoring Olivia. I've been a bad man and I've done some bad things, but I have the money to make a difference. In fact, Beatrice was just in here discussing how we can put my resources to better use. I'll be making sizable donations to charities Olivia supported. I'm reviewing my entire portfolio, looking to cancel or reshape any projects with a negative environmental impact. So you can tell your fucking friends to lay off on the protests. Just know that none of these changes are because of anything your kind has done. You're just trash. Marlin nodded. He didn't know what to say. He stood up and held out his hand. I appreciate you taking the time to see me. I'm sorry to have bothered you. Get the fuck out of my office! Marlon watched the floor numbers blink by as the elevator descended. He was more confused than ever. He couldn't believe he'd thrown away twelve years of coke-free living. And for what? Just to get up the nerve to kill a grieving old man? The elevator stopped on the twenty-fourth floor. The doors opened, and Beatrice Lim stepped in. Oh, that was a quick meeting. How did it go, she asked with a warm smile. Marlin looked at her. He wasn't so sure that she was the chupacabra woman anymore. It could have been any long-haired woman. Had he even seen a chupacabra lady? What if he'd imagined her? I'm afraid I wasted Mr. Matheson's time, Marlin said. I was given some false information. Oh, that's unfortunate. Beatrice said. Marlon pulled out his phone and sent a text to Carrie. You're right. First thing tomorrow, let's go to the police.
2: Carrie stood out front of the Broward County Sheriff's Office. At 9 a.m. on the dot, Marlon's brat pulled into the visitor parking lot. He looked like a wreck and he'd done almost nothing to tend to the wounds Alex had left him with. She asked what brought on the change of heart. We're in too far over our fucking heads, was his response. Let's go inside. Carrie grabbed his arm. I think we should tell them everything, okay? Let's let them sort it out. This is what they're paid for. I couldn't agree more, Marlon said, surprising Carrie. Let me do the talking, but yeah, we're telling them everything. In the lobby, Desk Sergeant Hong made them endure an endless string of jokes about Marlin's missing tooth. What happened? Did you get tired of shooting yourself in the foot and decide to punch yourself in the mouth? That sort of thing. Once Hong was out of quips, he finally bothered to ask why they were there. I've got a confession I want to make, Marlin said, but only to Atkins. Is he in? It's an insane morning here, Hong said. Can't you just tell me? Wait, wait. Did you shoot someone other than yourself in the foot this time? Just get him for me. He'll want to hear this. A few minutes later, they were sitting in Atkins' office. Carrie watched as Marlon fidgeted in the chair next to her. His legs were crossed, and he was dangling his flip-flop off his big toe. For the first time, she noticed a small scar on the top of his foot. That must be where the bullet had hit him. I think we're doing the right thing, she told him. He looked over at her and forced a broken-toothed smile. The door opened and Sheriff Adkins strolled in, happy as a clam. "'Brad Marlin, they tell me you're ready to confess,' he said, sitting down behind his desk. "'Let me guess. I was right. A sucker killed your friend.' "'No, actually, it wasn't.' "'And that's not why we're here,' Carrie chimed in. Adkins leaned back in his chair. "'Okay.' Whatever this is, let's make it quick. We've got a lot going on here today. Marlin looked at Carrie. She gave him a nod. It's about Olivia Matheson, Marlin said. Atkins raised an eyebrow. Oh? We kind of, sort of... Marlin gulped. I'm just going to say it. We killed Olivia. Well, I killed her. But it wasn't what you think. She was a monster. Like a werewolf, only an alligator. We call them wear gators and there's more of them. Hmm, Adkins said, turning to Carrie. This is true? Yes, it's true, Carrie said. She felt a great relief in finally telling the truth. We dumped her body out in the Atlantic. You're kidding, right? Adkins asked. This is some kind of joke? No, Carrie said. Why would you think it's a joke? Marlin asked. It just came in over the radio a few hours ago, Adkins said. They found Olivia. Alive. Marlin and Carrie looked at each other, then back at Adkins. What? they asked in unison. Olivia Matheson is alive, he said again. Not a scratch on her. I just got off the phone with her father. He was beside himself with joy. That's really something, Marlin said. What great news! Now, Atkins said, what was that you were telling me?
0: Okay, okay. I can admit when my cultural, socio-historical implications may not exactly hold up for now, Henry Matheson seems genuinely upset, uh, though Olivia, of course, uh, is not dead, apparently, which is uh, good for Brad in of that um, he doesn't have to turn himself in for murder, but what's also bad for Brad is being beaten up by Jim bro Alex. That's a little rough and a little kind of embarrassing, right? Though I wonder in this chupacabra reality of low life uh, if a viable defense in court would be your Honor, I honestly believed he was a wear and that's why I acted, would would hold up. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out in episode seven of Low Life coming at you very soon. This is Neil Helligers, your host on Adrenaline on Realm, and I will see you then. Take care.
1: You're listening to Adrenaline Low Life, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away.
3: and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny
0: true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Lowlife is created and written by Steve Marcarelli and Billy Lawler. Produced by Marco Palmieri. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio produced by Amanda Rose Smith. Performed by Nick Sullivan and Eleanor Cottle. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. Theme music by Amanda Rose Smith, with guitar by Kaylin West. Cover art by Marco Cousins. Executive in charge for realm, Mary Asadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Asadolahi. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Ladshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helligers. Audio editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Marcus Bagala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.